Welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford here with Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. And uh, we can say the epic return was truly an epic outcome for the Florida A&M Rattlers, who got a 26-3 victory on homecoming in front of 31,187 folks in Bragg Memorial Stadium. Uh, fellas, Kelvin, Kofi, how you doing this evening? Doing great, man. How are you, man? Really good. All right. Well, uh, we got a lot to unpack because, you know, we moved from one blue blood of Grambling, and then we get a turnaround and hit the road for uh, for a rematch against another blue blood in Southern. Um, in terms of rivals or rivalries, which would you say is better? I, I think I kind of know your thoughts on this, probably, but what what what's what do you think is a better rivalry, Grambling or Southern, Kelvin? Hands down, Southern. Southern is my favorite rivalry. Period. I, that's more of a rivalry for me than Bethune, to be honest. And what about you, Kof? I agree. Um, we have more history with Southern University. And because of that history, um, you know, uh, coming through the ranks more or less, uh, it means something when you when you play that game. Um, I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm grateful for that time with Jake Gaither and, of course, Coach Mumford. I wasn't there during that time, but I did get an opportunity to see us uh, with Billy Joe and Pete Richardson, uh, two legendary Hall of Fame coaches go at it. And I think that that's when the rebirth of the rivalry really, really, really took off. Um, it revitalized Jaguar Nation and it revitalized Rattler Nation. Um, and we had an opportunity to see it because both of those teams were always uh, vying for the HBCU championship during that time. So definitely, um, I would say Southern due to the history, but um, I... Uh, uh, Gremlin's not far behind. It's just a different feel and it's just a different vibe. Um, Gremlin doesn't necessarily doesn't travel nearly as well as Southern University, but when we play them, normally the game is always packed because the game always means something. So uh, just give it a little time, and and Gremlin's going to get in there. If if Saturday's game was any indication. Um, that Grambling game is going to be big because their their players were just as chippy. I was like, oh my god, like what is wrong with you people? 
Like you are in Bragg Memorial Stadium. Y'all came out the came out the uh, field house ready to fight, fighting the flag corps. I was like, bro, they just don't know. They fighting band Ooh, members. Lot, they just don't know. I'm just like, like they just jumped about. up and ran across the field. I was like, something is wrong with these people. Like they just don't get it. Just play football. But they came in with a big old chip on their shoulder. I'm sure they remember this. This. Uh, this A Z Z cutting for a long time, and uh, you know it's gonna bode well when we have to go there next year. Yeah, well, we got we got a lot to unpack here. Uh, you brought up a few things, which we'll get into here shortly. Just want to remind everyone that's watching. Appreciate you watching us on uh, whether it's Facebook or on Twitter or on YouTube. Do us a favor. First thing, go ahead and make sure you're subscribed or that you are uh, that you're tuned in. Uh, to our show with a big like, uh, a thumbs up of some nature. Uh, we, you know, kind of helps out the algorithms or whatever. If you're watching us or listening to us rather uh, via the podcast, make sure you are subscribed as well. And make sure you're following us uh, at ONG Strike Zone, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know, we need to pick up those numbers. So any, you know, I don't know whichever your preferred platform is, but uh, especially if it's Facebook or Twitter, uh, you know, go ahead and like us. And then download that Jericho Broadcast Networks app on your Google or Apple Play Store. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it. All of the shows. We are part of the Black College Sports Network, a host of shows that cover not only black college athletics in general, but then we have shows like ours, uh, you know, and and others that cover school specifics. So, all right, fellas, let's get into – First, before we get into talking about the homecoming experience, let's talk about the game. Uh, get into the game. Uh, I had a chance to listen to Coach Simmons with his uh, with his show that he actually did on Tuesday because of the adjusted schedule due to uh, voting that took place on Tuesday. All college teams across the country took Tuesday off, so the Rattlers kind of changed their schedule, and his show was on Tuesday. Kelvin, what are your uh, takeaways from Saturday's game? Overall, it, it was a B for me. I was very satisfied with the um, effort. The defense, again, was dominant. Uh, we held them under 200 yards, and about 70 yards of that came on a last drive of the game where the quarterback ran for about 50, 60 yards uh, on a on – a, uh, on a, read zone read run so uh it was it was extremely dominant from a defense standpoint uh we got on the board early offensively you know we jumped out 21 0 uh early in the second quarter uh third down third down conversions was something that i i noticed um we we i think we're about 9 or 15 somewhere around there and um time of possession man we had the ball i mean we had the ball almost 40 minutes so uh, I've embraced this team and their strengths, which is defense, play good special teams, run the ball, and, uh, you know, whether we score 40 or 25 is cool with me. As long as we keep getting them Ws. So uh, this is our identity, man. So we, we kind of stuck with our identity. So um, I'm happy. I thought, it was, I thought it was a really solid performance. Yeah, 9 of 15 on third down, as you brought up. Uh, we had the ball for 20, uh, 37 minutes and one second. Uh, 
uh, Grambling for twenty two fifty nine, and uh, so yeah, pretty pretty good performance, good solid all the way around. Kofi, what's your takeaway from the game? Oh, I loved it, man. The whole vibe. I mean, Rattler Nation was in full effect, um, basically from sunup through sundown on into Sunday. I was riding past um, Perry Street coming from a tennis lesson and looked down the street, and it was still packed. So um, (laughs) having all of those people in Bragg Stadium was just amazing. I just want to see us buy into the concept of who we are even more and continue to play um, mistake-free football. Um, Running the ball is what we do this year. Um, But McKay played a great game with the exception of one throw that happened to be a pretty decent play by the Gramlin defensive back, but other than that, he was lights out in the first half, making the right read, stepping up in the pocket, um, moving the ball. And as uh, one of my NFL films coaches from uh, Kansas City said, you know, they were just matriculating the ball down the field, keep matriculating it, keep matriculating it. So they worked the clock, and uh, it was good to see McLeod back into the fold in full effect as um, they started with Bonnet, but then they started with, uh, I want to say, the heavy team. <laughs> And they came in and offered a degree of physicality um, that has not been with FAMU running with the FAMU running game. I want to say since uh, the Rudy Hubbard days. So, um, and we're doing this without a whole lot of trickery, without a, without an option, without a whole lot of uh, zone reads, which means that our offensive line is really getting the job done, which is a good deal. And if you can control that line of scrimmage, you stand to do extremely well. And, of course, our defense just held them in check. I mean, all three phases, especially in the first half, were just lights out. I have nothing bad to say. Yeah, the, um, the, the, we had to return not only of Jalen McLeod, who 10 carries, 48 net yards, and the score – uh, Terrell Jennings led all rushers with 54 net yards on 12 carries. You mentioned Bonnet with 26 net on nine carries. We also had the return of Xavier Smith. Uh, the X-Man was back, making a making his presence known. Seven catches, 72 yards on the day. Um, and, yes, I, I, too, thought Rashawn McKay did a good job. You know, I'm, I'm not one to – to shy away from giving praise to where praise is due. Um, and, you know, uh, good job by McKay. 20 of 34, 204, two touchdowns, had the one interception, was not sacked at all in the ball game. Uh, it was interesting hearing Coach Simmons talk about the fact that he felt like he kind of knew very early in the game there was nothing that Grambling could really do. I mean, short of us giving the ball over to them with turnovers – there was really not much Grambling could do. And you kind of sensed that in the game. I mean, it was – I was the a game little shocked, to be close. honest. I, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't. And I felt like, okay, is that – and really, let's just say, the second half was really like, let's just get out of here. Because it was so chaotic in the second half, and I guess we can sort of transition into the experience. The second half – I don't know what that was. The second half was just, uh, it was just out there. 
You know, there were there were so many people on the sidelines. The distraction committee was on the Grambling side. I mean, it, it was a it was a hot mess. I'm not gonna lie. The the, the I, at one point in the game, well, you know, when you had when you had the little incident in the third quarter, I looked at a replay video. I saw people coming from the the end zone running, and I don't know if it was media or camera people. I'm like, where's that guy running to? You had the PA guy playing music, the band. You had the alumni band. You had like two different bands playing. The PA guy was playing music. The official was trying to give this. I didn't know what was going on in the second half. And at the same time, it, you just saw people on the sideline. I think even Coach Simmons said he bumped into a fan on the sideline one time. I was just like, I was like, man, I I, I, I pity anybody in the SWAT coming to FAMU for homecoming. I mean, really, I, I there was a this smidgen of me that felt bad for Grambling in the second half because I was like, I don't think Coach Fobbs expected this. What was your take on just the overall atmosphere, Kelvin, as we kind of transition a little bit into the, whether it be the in-stadium experience or the outside-the-stadium experience? Well, I'm going to talk about the in-stadium in experience. Um, it, was, it, was, it was thick. It was crowded. And uh, from a operational standpoint, you know, you mentioned some things. Uh, there were some challenges, right? Uh, starting with uh, entry into the game, uh, you know, it's a large crowd, and you had small staff and one or two scanners, so the lines were long. So a lot of people didn't get into their seats to like the second quarter, um, and the line stayed constantly long all six gates where the public comes in. Stayed long all the way, probably midway through the second quarter. Uh, but the, the eventually they all got in. And then um, concessions, it looked like the concessions were a little light. Um, you had uh, on the west side, I know one looked like all I saw was drinks. So when I, I saw somebody frying on the outside there, outside the gate there. So, so you know, there, there was some little hiccups like that. Um, and then you mentioned about the, the security side, right? Um I think everybody's seen um, that uh, that uh, distraction committee, and I have to say that that that's funny, man. That's that's good stuff to me. But but again, it's it, it is unprofessional though, and we have to do better. But I, I like that committee, and I hope they 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 they, they uh stay on the job, right? <laughs> yeah, amen. So, amen. So, amen. They did a great but, job. But, but in terms of the, but but in terms of the crowd, you know, I I never made it to my seat, man, because it was almost impossible to get through that crowd once I once you got in and not coming in from the west side trying to go through that uh, south end zone to get to the east side yeah. it was just it was thick so I just kind of stayed in the end zone and then they went back to the tailgate after halftime right and, and I had a game on on my on my radio on the phone so when I could get it on the phone I, so, as, I, so, as I was I was sitting in the media as I was sitting in the media box there Looking down, uh, as I could see, there were so many times when I, I felt bad for people who didn't get to their seat early enough because they had that bewildered look like, I got my ticket, I'm supposed to be here, but I don't even know where here is. And I kept thinking, what would the experience be if there were ushers? You know, now, I mean, I know that's a cost, but I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I, I just was looking at that, trying to put myself in, you know, somebody else's shoes who might have been new or might have been coming to the game for the first time, 
I, I don't know where you sat. I don't know how you sat. You just kind of find a place to fit in, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, what, uh, what, what's your take, Kofi? What's your thoughts on what you saw out there? Um, I want to say, I mean, the, the whole game experience at Bragg is unique. Um, it's unique within itself. I think in terms of game day atmosphere, in-stadium atmosphere, I would say that FAMU's is definitely top tier. Uh, in the SWAC if it's not number one at all, especially when everybody's in there and doing, you know, uh, everybody's in and dialed into the game and really focused. Um, it's, it's different. So if you have not experienced that, it can mess you up. And uh, I think that obviously the, the stadium security, all of those things go out of the window almost at homecoming because you've got more people to deal with and not enough people to govern it. So it can just be a zoo, but I think it's a good home field advantage um, for the orange and green. And that's what you want. I don't want, I want uh, my opponent not to be at ease when they come to Bragg Memorial Stadium. I want them to be very uncomfortable coming in. I think the homecoming experience is what it is. Um, And we had an entire year off where it was no homecoming. So our people were, extra amped up to actually come to homecoming this year as was the whole city of tallahassee and the south side which cannot be underestimated or understated so it's just necessary for us i would like to see us build on that momentum continue to get the um get the west side filled up or straighten out with the renovations um we obviously need uh, uh, a state-of-the-art press box not just for our games, but for, you know, just additional events uh, along with the whole sound system and scoreboard because it will improve the whole game day experience. But I welcome uh, the Rattler game day experience because I'm a Rattler, but God, you know, pity the fool who comes from another school because it's, it's just different. And I will say this because technically the other team was supposed to be on the west side being that given that whole um, North Carolina A&T vibe, but I'm glad that they stuck them on the student side because that student side will get after you. They heckle you. They talk to the players. The players get distracted. They start talking mess. And it don't be the dudes doing it. It's the, it's the ladies, man. They are like, I'm talking everything from booties everywhere to, you know, open cleavage to flirting to calling and calling them names to almost I've seen a couple of them like throw stuff. But that student side is like if they're not focused and they're not disciplined and dialed in, it will rear its ugly head in the wrong type of way. And your your players will will be behind 21 points before they know it. So answer this, uh, and, and because this is the first home game I've had a chance to attend this year, uh, that side, that student side, is that uh, is that normally not the side where the visitors are? No, no, no. The student side is the side where the visitors are, but the visitors always have problems. Like A and T, oh uh, yes, was having yes. problems. I think Fort Valley, Howard. I can go down the list of teams that have started out on the student side and it didn't get out of hand, but I've seen times when the teams have had to switch sides. Um, It's definitely the side that I want my opponent on. I want my opponent 
on the student side, on the east side, because that's where all of the chaotic stuff really, really, really goes on. And if you're not dialed in, it's going to be a long day for you. Well, if I recall, didn't wasn't there a few years in the MEAC years, uh, maybe in the late, mid-90s, Billy, early Billy Joe era when I don't know whether it was mandated uh, or whether we just kind of did it out of courtesy where we did switch sides, where FAMU did take that side in front of the student and the hundred and gave the visitors the other side. Do you all, I'm sure you recall that. It, it, it happened multiple times. All right. So tradition said that uh, the uh, student side is the side that the team back in the day used to be on the home team, the rallies because it was, you know, their backs to the university, protecting the university. So it was more traditional for them to be on that side. However, um, they have coaches who have come in and, you know, because of the suns and high sets and, and of course, with the 100 and, and there's chaos that go over there, they prefer, and I understand that also, that this, the uh, visiting team be on that side. So in 2018, when the uh, Jackson – I'm sorry, the A&T game happened, and that incident happened. Uh, A&T was on that side. Um, the referees and the MEAC mandated after that incident because to keep teams from crossing the rest of our home games the rest of the year, the MEAC mandated that uh, the team switch. So our team was on the student side those last couple of home games in 2018. And then that wasn't the first year it happened. It's, it's happened before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of good discussions going on in the chat rooms. Um, 31,887, or excuse me, 31,000, uh, 887. Let me say that right. Kind of interesting. Those last four numbers, right? Those last four numbers, how that worked out. I don't know if that was somebody who cooked it that way or whether it just happened to work out that way. Kind of interesting. I thought. So so let me uh, kind of touch that briefly. The only thing I will say is that because of the e-ticket system and the ability to be able to pull up your tickets, um, I know that uh, you know that there there were some folks who had some some issues and had to you know be waived in. Uh, so I, I I would think that NIMA was a combination of actual scans and and and, uh, and guessing. Right. Uh, that is the third largest homecoming crowd at Bragg. I, I vividly remember number one, and I, I was in I was on internship in New York for number two, so I missed that one. But number one was 1996, 33,954. And they, they pulled a similar number the next year in 97, 33,441. But what's interesting, you guys remember, they used to bring in that extra set of bleachers in that end zone. And so that's where you could get that extra, probably 2000 people with that extra bleacher. And then all of a sudden, you know, we wanted to make the VIP section for folks to come in and VIP and tailgate, you know, with the nice tables and the wine and all that stuff. So they took that away. And so now you have the end zone cabaret area, you know, so, uh, so now 31,000 is where you got, go ahead, Cole. So if you get a press box with a club section, you can ah. move the end zone club to the press box and they can have their own air condition and food and wine and whatever it is they got. 
and then you can put bleachers up in the end zone area and get more seats. Yeah. So yeah. that's just uh, a thought, you know, just thinking out loud. But it's it's also all the more reason because you know this after looking at all of the 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 sea of people, the rivers of people, the streams of people that were on Perry Street in the parking lot in the tailgating area and on Wanish Way. It was at least, I would say, with the stadium and the streets, it was close to 100,000 people in that vicinity, which means that on homecoming, if the stadium had the room, 45,000, 50,000 could have fit in there pretty easy. And I'd like to remind people that our largest homecoming crowd was in 1979 versus Tuskegee, and we had 36,000 people way back in 1979. So with a larger venue, I mean, we could definitely be pushing consistently 50,000 plus on homecoming. And I think Where'd because of the, the bus, what? Where'd we play that game? Uh, we played it at Dope Campbell Stadium versus Florida State. Okay. At Florida State, sorry. Um, right. So just really with that, um, that was coming off of the national championship year. Uh, we're playing Tuskegee, and uh, Muhammad Ali was there in 1979. So there were tons of people that were looking. That was the year that we beat the University of Miami. So everybody was in a celebratory mood. But the school at the time was only 5,000. We've got near 10,000 people or students at our school now. And we were the largest HBCU in, I would say, in the 90s. So all of those people are coming back for homecoming, not to mention Tallahassee is way larger than it yeah. was back in 1979. So, bro, uh, we could very easily, with the right facility, be able to, I would say, supersede or supplant or move Jackson State out of the way when it comes to being the attendance leader um, for FCS. Uh, and I think that uh, that'll be a big part to our future success, provided we can get uh, leadership to buy into the possibilities of having a new facility with a new state-of-the-art facility that will be able to house uh, Rattler Nation and others and, and the city of Tallahassee and beyond. Well said, well said. Uh, well, hey, we, we truly have the, you know, congratulations to the 12th man, the student body, the band, the alumni side, the uh, the season ticket holders, all of you. Uh, uh, it, it was a great 12th man. I, I don't think there is another experience like it in the SWAC. When you go and look at the stadiums, there's no experience like Bragg. So it truly is a home field. We've won nine games in a row. Uh, another perfect Ten. season. Ten. Nine. Where's the 10? It was 4-0 this year, 5-0 last year. We lost the last game of 2018. Let me go back. Hold on. All right, you go back. We go. We go. Uh, I'm gonna give a couple <laughs> before we go to the break. I'm gonna just shout out a few people in the chat room. Uh, Montre Bennett, happy birthday to you. Mary 305, happy uh, hello, Mary. Always one of the first people to dial in. Uh, Floyd Hills out there, I know. Shout out. I had to make sure I get that in. You know, don't get hazed <laughs> up again. My boy Floyd. Marcus, I see Marcus out there. What's up, Mark? Dwayne Sweet, uh, always checking in. 
you know, a few other people. I'll make sure to give you some child. Larry Smith, uh, Corinthian Morgan, appreciate you. A lot of people that we met at and around Bragg. Thank you all. You know, a few people stopped and said, hey, we watched the show. I love it, man. That that was, that really hit my heart. You know, that's good to know. So we appreciate you. Coming up, we're going to step away from the football field, go to the bowling lanes as we talk to our head women's bowling coach. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk to our head women's basketball coach. So we got some coaches coming up in the next two segments. You guys stick around. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. And it's a pleasure to be joined by our head women's bowling coach, Coach Karen Brown. Coach Brown, thank you for coming on the ONG Strike Zone tonight. How are you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Greetings, Yeah. So, Coach, this is, I believe, going into your 10th season. Is that correct? That sounds about right. Time flies. 
I did, well, I didn't want to date you. I just wanted to put it out there so folks know how long you've been running the ship out there. And, and uh, that's all. Um, so why don't you uh, – I know the season is actually happening right now. And a lot of people may not be familiar with the the seasons for for bowling. So give us a little update on where we are because we're actually sort of in the middle of the season. Am I correct with that saying? That is correct. We um our season all of about the way the medical and the training and all completely hey coach coach give us a second because we're, we're losing the we're losing the audio uh from you a little bit um let me see if we i don't know if my producer are we able to um are you able to turn i don't know if it's a maybe a volume issue or connection issue Let's see. Want to make sure we want to make sure we can hear you. Can she log out and log back in? We might need to. I'm not sure. Let me see what my producer is saying. Uh, let's see, Coach. Let's let's try it again. Let's see if we can if we can get you in a clear on a clear uh, line here. So if you want to go ahead and let's try again. So, so, cause you were kind of coming in and out. I don't know how, if you can hear us very well. Oh yeah. You're can you hear? All right. Let's do this. Let's do, let's try to see if we can connect via the, via a phone line. Uh, let me see if my producer can, if we can make any kind of quick adjustment here, because I want to make sure we can hear you. And sometimes, you know, I don't know if it's a connection issue on one end or the other here. Probably my location. Let's see. Um, my producer, any suggestions? Okay. Coach, let me, uh, let's see. We're going to go ahead. I'm going to go. What's the back? Can I, can I go ahead and uh, send you an email with our with the, with the call-in number? Because what I can do is I can give you the call-in number. And maybe we can talk with you over the phone. Is that a good? Is that a good idea? Can that work, Kelvin? I don't know. Do you have Coach's number, or do you want me to send an email? How, how do you prefer, Coach? Over the phone. All right. So let's do this. Let's uh, let's uh, let's step away for a quick minute. Let's take a quick break, come back, and then I want to get you, Coach. I'm gonna give you, the, I'm gonna give you the phone number here in the, in the middle of the break, and we're gonna come back and we'll and we'll uh, we'll reset. Okay, don't go anywhere just yet, Coach. Folks, give us a moment. We'll be right back with the ONG Strike Zone. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com 
and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. picks up messes quicker and each sheet is two times more absorbent so you can use less he's an eight he's a nine bounty the quicker picker upper since 2002 empowerment resources inc a nonprofit organization has empowered more than 1500 youth and adults in duval and surrounding counties through its programs journey into womanhood girls mentoring life skills for teens and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentJAX. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together... Brown. Yeah, we got you now, Coach. Hello, Coach. You there? I am. Is it a bad All right. still? No, no. You sound you sound great. We can hear you perfectly clear now. Oh, super. All right. All right. So uh we, I think one of the first questions I had was kind of tell us a little bit about the the scheduling and how the season works for bowling, because you're kind of in the middle of it a little bit right now, correct? That is correct, yes. Yes, we start October the 1st. Um, the NCAA All Bowling D1 um, starts and kicks off on October 1st uh, competition, and we have a six-month schedule. So our season runs October 1st through the end of March. Championship Series starts in April. All right. And, and so this season, as the season has started, Tell us a little bit about how your sport or your season was affected or has been affected with the pandemic from the previous year and and uh, and how things have gotten started this year. Okay, we were affected um, pretty substantially, I would say, um, by the pandemic. We had I, I had five seniors who was looking forward to finishing strong last 
the year of the pandemic, and uh, they didn't get a chance to compete. And But they did finish strong in the classroom. We had uh, magna cum laude, summa cum laude. I mean, they were just uh, really balling in the classroom. So it was advantageous to them to finish strong, and a lot of them now are in grad school and doing quite well. So I say all that to say I have a host of freshmen this year, um, and it has um, been an interesting start. I mean, we would, like with my freshmen, you can get any any type of um, game on any occasion. I mean, we'll, we'll beat the number one seed one day, and the next day we'll lose to the to the number one seed, and then, I mean, it's just been an up-and-down season so far. They're just trying to get their feet wet, the, the freshmen are. Mm-hmm. And learn, Joining learn us on the, the line system, right The long, gruesome weekends that we compete, and uh, so it's been an interesting uh, beginning of the season, to say the least. I'm sorry about that, Cole. Yeah, uh, joining us right now is head coach Karen Brown of the uh, Lady Rattlers, our bowling Team, uh, Kelvin, what do you have for coach? Coach, talk about going to the swag, and um, if you will talk, compare going to the swag because Mint was known as a very strong um, bowling um, competition uh, and strong teams. I know the swag have some strong teams too, but kind of just talk about uh, you know any differences and and you know your approach to uh, this season, but specifically since you were talking about how young your team is. Okay. Um, being in the MEAC, um, and yes, they, they have strong bowling programs. On the East Coast, um, you find more high school bowling. Um, the recruiting up East and North is very heavy. Um, winter sport type of a situation with bowling and uh, so the recruiting and they have, I mean, there's just a strong, strong opportunity uh, on the East and up North. I have competed and Sam, you, the lady Rattlers, we've competed with the SWAC quite a bit being that we are, I would say Southern, a Southern school. So our schedule typically always match up with the SWAC half of the season and the MEAC the other half of the season. So for for the Lady Rattlers, we're going into the family. I know all the coaches. We we compete strong every year. So hey, for us, gonna, it's like uh, hello family. We're, we're now a part of, you know, a place where we have been a part of, you know, since day one. So it's it's not new for us. Um, all the coaches we know, you know our strategies, the game. So it's um, it's an easy transition, I would say, for for the Rattlers going into the swag. Joining us on the line, uh, head coach Karen Brown of our Lady Rattlers bowling team. Uh, Kofi, what do you have for coach? Well, how long? Well, when did you get started in the whole bowling, um, in the bowling scene? And uh, not saying how old you were when you got started with bowling, but uh, how long? <laughs> what would you say? That's a yeah, fair question. Yeah, when did you get started? 
That's a fair question. Um, the lady bowling, the NCA started uh, bowling in 2001. Uh, they it became a D1 uh, program, and Sam, you jumped right on and and started the program, and I am lucky enough to have the program already built by some wonderful coaches that were before me. Um, We had uh, Coach Franklin Brown. She was the first uh, FAMU Lady Rattler coach. And then we had Coach Sheila Martin. And they, I mean, they paved the way. I mean, the students that they brought on board there, the program was really set up really nice. And all I had to do was continue to build upon what they had set before me. So um, I started 2011, 12 season, and we, um, you know, and had some students from the other coach, and we, you know, built from there, and I'm here today. And also another coach that I don't know if you guys know was Dr. Gladys Lane. She was the assistant coach. Um, wow! When 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 it first started off, so we had um, Coach Franklin Brown and Gladys Lane, and then from there we had Sheila Martin, and then here I am. And so the program was laid so beautifully, and you know it put a lot of, um, I guess, weight on me to just keep what they had built going into the direction in which it is today. And all of us prided ourselves in the academic side of, you know, of the program. And, and I, too, am keeping that going as well with just dynamic young ladies. So if, wow. if so that kind of gives you an com- overview of the program in a nutshell. Right. So when it comes to recruiting, what area of the country is most beneficial to uh, what we're building here? Well, recruiting... You know, it's it's worldwide, actually. Um, I don't get the opportunity to go outside of the United States, but the Power Five schools that we compete against on an annual basis, I mean, they go all over, Um, you know, Ukraine, Russia, um, uh, China, um, all over, all over the world. They're, you know, bowling opportunities and and, and young youth bowling just, worldwide but for me typically i recruit on the east coast and of course at home in florida first and foremost and uh, in the northern school the northern high school areas as well we've we've had the michigan's the new jersey's the tennessee area the louisiana um florida of course and that's just the name of few, you know. I mean, we just kind of, just like all the other sports, we have to go out there and find the good talent. And, you know, it's not one area of what have you, but, you know, we, we're we pretty pretty good at recruiting, I would say. Awesome. Coach, Coach I see we just finished up with our old Rattler Invitational uh, this past weekend. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, as I'm looking at the schedule, there's a host of SWAC schools there. 
So uh, let us know how how uh, some of the results and some of the top performers. Okay, um, it, like I said, it was an up and down weekend for us. Um, we uh, we started out the box um, kind of slow um, on day two. We uh, we were very strong. We defeated, I would say, all the schools that were there on day two. Um, to include the number one seed, which was Emmanuel College in uh, Southern University. We defeated on day two, Jackson State, uh, and Gramlin um, on day two. Day one was a little floor, but we, we regrouped and, uh, you know, positioned ourselves to see what we needed to do out there on the lanes and did, did good. So the weekend we finished uh, with a six and seven record. Alabama State was the reigning champion for the weekend. Uh, they have a very good uh, coach and, you know, very seasoned team. And they, they showed up this weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. Kelvin, go ahead and close this out if you would. Coach, I, I just want you to talk about um, what what you're looking for out of this young team from now to the end of the season and, um, and uh, you know, uh, expectations in terms of by the time we get to tournament time, uh, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Oh, the expectations for this young team is to, to regroup and to, to work harder to practice stronger and to have the confidence that they need to be who they are because they're very talented young ladies. And when I say talented, it starts in the classroom and they are definitely doing it there. And it usually matriculates into their play. And and that's what I've noticed throughout my coaching uh, years is that those that are very strong academically figure it out quickly make the adjustments, and I would say by we have two more tournaments this fall, I would say by the next tournament, we'll see a big, big improvement. That's the jump that I'm expecting. Um, We did lots of drills today, had uh, conversations about the weekend. They realized what, what we need to do. And um, I'm expecting great improvement from, you know, the first two tournaments because they're really, really learning just the NCAA way. They are just out of high school, and um, they're understanding quickly because they're students of the game. So they're understanding the adjustments, and it's really all about adjustments. Um, With all patterns that we deal with, there, you can't see them. The NCAA pattern one, pattern two, pattern three, it's like a golf course and, and the, the greens, you, you, you have to feel it. You can't really see the oil, but you have to have the knowledge about the oil, the long patterns, the, long, the short patterns. Um, so we try to practice them on the different patterns so that when we go to the different tournaments that they can adjust to them fairly quickly and to put out different 
important shot that that they can practice on to prepare for the patterns that are laid out once we get to the tournament. So it's nothing like when you go to, say, a Sunday, Saturday night with family and you can just throw the ball. It's a technical pattern layouts with all thicknesses and center meters, this, that, and the other that, uh, you know, that they have to work through. So, so we won't be stuff. taking anybody off the street uh, on, on that has a good Friday night, and uh, just all of a sudden you think you want to just jump out there on the bowling team. It doesn't work that way, does it, Coach? You know, a lot of youngsters think that, oh, I bowled before, and they'll come in the bowling alley when we're practicing. Uh, Coach, can, I, can we try out or whatever? I said, just, you know, you can hang out and watch because we're in a public facility, so therefore, you know, our students can come and just feed. And so when we're practicing, and then they'll say, uh, Coach, uh, that's okay. <laughs> they, you know, they quickly realize it's not a Sunday evening uh, family outing. It's so, right. so much technicality to it, and they see it quick. And it's happened year after year. The kids that think they want to be a walk-on, they'll call me, uh, thank you, Coach. Um, yeah. I'll get back with you, and and they never even show up afterwards. So it's 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 interesting to once people see the technicality of it, it's um, it's pretty interesting to see the the responses. All right. Well, if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna uh, you know uh, build a a college bowler, you better start early in the uh, high school level, and uh, so that way. They don't embarrass themselves when they come out and try out, and maybe there's some scholarship opportunities so uh, they can actually become a uh, collegiate bowler. Uh, Coach Coach Brown, we, we appreciate your time this evening. Uh, folks, make sure you go follow uh, the program on Twitter, at FAMU underscore bowl. Uh, Coach, good luck to your team the rest of the way. Uh, we know the next meet is the uh, Sonic Boom Bowling uh, in Jackson. November 12th through the 14th. So uh, good luck to you all then. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be following along with you and the Lady Rattlers. Okay. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And you guys have a great one. All right. You too, thank good. you again. Again, that was Coach Karen Brown, head coach of the uh, Rattler Lady Rattlers bowling program. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine.
right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. We go from the bowling lanes to the hard court, and I get a chance to talk to Coach Shalom Pillow. Coach, it's been a good long time since I last had a chance to talk to you. It was uh, right after you got the job, and we were all excited and ready, and, you know, it's been a long year, Coach, but you made it here. You're so close to the start of the season. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, Coach. Doing well, doing well. Well, Coach, talk a little bit about the emotions of the past year and just being right here at this moment where the season is about to begin. You're going to be tipping off in another week or two. Just talk about the emotions right now. Well, it's definitely been a roller coaster from getting hired back in – back in 2020 I can't believe it's about to be 22 first of all but uh, just the excitement uh, the new opportunity and then preparing the team to play for the season to get canceled literally days before our first game last year was devastating and then um, for the returners who came back in the in the summer there was still that excitement there because they knew that we're getting ready to play we had a lot of time off but then going against each other day in and day out for months without going against each other, it, it gets trying at times for sure because everybody knows each other's game at this point and kind of predictable what's going to happen. So we're really looking forward to going to get someone else to see and get a gauge where we are because it's really hard to tell <laughs> right now. I know we get better every day, but it's just really difficult to see if we're on track, you know, if we're ahead of schedule or if. We need to amp some things up. So that's why um, November 11th is I'm super excited. Of course, I'm nervous. My first game, and I don't know what I'm working with exactly. <laughs> so um, I just know that out there, and they're going to work extremely hard. And they're going to give their best effort. From, from what you've seen, Coach, how has your team changed from the team that you were ready to start last year with to what you're ready to start this year with? Well, we have several um, transfers and um, a few freshmen who have joined our team since the last time anyone has seen us. The team's going to look totally different to anybody who watched them play in 2019. Um, with the graduating seniors, um, well, it's two classes now. <laughs> and uh, then we have a few transfers. We have a, a young lady from Alabama, um, a lady from UTEP. We have a transfer from Wright State, and we have a transfer from the University of Virginia. So we have some experience there to mesh with some young freshmen that we've brought in as well. And then let's not forget the sophomores who never played a game. So right. um, we've got a god of old and new mixed together. Calvin. Coach, kind of talk about uh, what can Rattler Nation expect in terms of style of play, you know, offensively and defensively. What do you like to do? And do you think you have the personnel at this point to do those things? Or are you going to have to tweak it toward the talent you got? Just talk about this team and, and the type of game we can expect to see. Well, it's definitely a process. Uh building a program and building a culture. And um, what I envision of what I want to do um, is something that I'm working towards. We want it to be uh, a 
defensive team, which we are, we're, we're, I think defense is our strongest suit, especially in the half court right now. Um, but I really want us to be able to turn our defense into offense, push the ball in transition, and just make other teams very uncomfortable um, and always pressuring them. Uh, right now, we're still trying to get people in the right spots. We're a little smaller than I want to be. So offensively, we're working on some different things with not having like a true post. And that's kind of where the game is now anyway. We don't see too many true back-to-the-basket post players. So um, that doesn't bother me at all. We're just going to have to be really quick and smart with our um, fundamentals and take every advantage. We got to do have our footwork, footwork right and all the details right so um, we can take advantage of any little thing we can do. Kofi. Go you're on mute. You're on mute, Kofi. Nope. I don't know what happened. All right, now there we go. Try again. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. All right. So what was it like playing for a legend like Pat Summit? I know you've had to answer this question uh, almost a million times, but for those that are not familiar with you, uh, everybody knows who she is and, and what she's meant to the game of basketball. What was it like being in that environment? Um, my, my initial answer is always intense. It was a very intense environment, but it also prepared me for, for life. And it prepared me for the position I'm in right now. So as tough as it was at times and days, I mean, my teammates always had my back. We had each other's backs. And we had a great woman in our corner. Um, she made it hard on purpose. <laughs> it's so we can be able to handle things and it seem easy. She said it all the time, practice is supposed to be harder than the actual game. Game time should be easy because we've done all the hard work. Because, I mean, our practices, I mean – up-tempo, everything we did was full court. We didn't do a lot of sprints and conditioning because the expectation was to go hard every play and every possession or every drill was game speed and game pace. And um, the, it was true. Game time, you're not going two hours straight. You got subs. You got all kinds of different things. You got timeouts. So um, that that woman is a, a huge part of why I am where I, where I am where I am today. Cool. So did you all ever practice against the guys uh, back in the day or against um, uh, pickup guys that may have thought they could have taken you guys out and just like, did they ever challenge you all or what was that like? Yeah, so Coach Summit was the first to introduce male practice. So she was the first one in, um, in women's college sports to go out and get guys to come play against the team because she thought that would be better competition than make us tougher. So if we can dominate guys, surely we can go against women. That was the, the thought process 20 years ago or 25 years ago. Um, now it's just a staple in just about every program to have male practice players. Um, our male practice players knew their role. They knew why they were there. They were good basketball players we actually had a couple guys that were walk-ons for the men and decide they'd rather be practice players for the women's team 
So we weren't going against just some people that we picked up at the wreck or some some scrubs. Like they were legit, really good basketball players and and grown men. <laughs> so we really, really got uh, in those practices. Awesome. Have you have you employed a similar uh, group uh, here on uh, at FAMU to to practice against? You mentioned going up against each other. Have you been able to find? Uh, that practice squad, uh, similar to what you uh, practiced again back in Tennessee? Yeah, so um, right now we've got four guys that are solid. We they Right now is where it's really important because they serve as, like, the scout team. So when we're preparing right. for our opponent, they get to emulate whatever our opponent's going to do. So, for instance, in practice tomorrow, we'll be running our sets not against each other, but against the male practice team who will be posing as Troy, our first, our first opponent. Um, we'll be working to get, like, our press offense against Troy's press and things like that. So um, we have four guys who are solid. We've got a couple more that we're recruiting at, at the moment that want to come help. But they are a huge part of, of what we do. Let me ask this. So if this is a student that comes out, is that a scholarship opportunity? Is there – uh, any compensation that's involved for them coming out and assisting in that area, or is it just a volunteer type deal and you get perks and stuff like that? It's just strictly a volunteer deal. And what makes it even more amazing that these guys come out on a regular basis that we practice at 6 a.m. So um, mm. they're, they're there at six o'clock every morning and they are invested. They're cheering on our girls. They're, <laughs> they, <laughs> Sometimes I'll ask a question like, okay, like, where are we supposed to, what are we doing that? And they're like, they're repeating it because I've said it so many times. I'm like, I'm not talking to you. I wish you were on the team because you know what I'm talking about. But like, that's it. They're excited. Now, like what I've been telling them, working up to this point, I said, right now we're just kind of using you for drills and, you know, dummy defense and things like that. But once we get rolling to the season, like, I need you to understand, like, stick with me because it's so important. Your, your help to prepare us, like, it's amazing. So today was kind of the first day they got the, a taste of that. And, I mean, they were excited. They were in the huddle. They were like, let's go. They're, they're ready. Awesome. You, uh, you had a chance over the past year, Coach, to scout the SWAC. Uh, obviously. I, I, don't, I don't know if you – well, obviously, let me see. Had we already made the commitment by the time you came on board – I don't think I think we were still in the MIAC at that point. Um, what what from the past off season? What have you been able to gather about the SWAC and the SWAC teams over the past season? Well, I know that every day it's um, going to be competitive. I I know that coming into the SWAC, um, the commissioner of women's basketball is one of the top sports. Um, I'm one of the most competitive sports in the conference. So that excites me that we'll be challenged and that we'll be able to compete each day once we get the conference play. Um, I know that there are, I mean, pretty much any given Monday or, or Saturday or Saturday or Monday, it's going to be a fight. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great competition. I think it's going to be great for um, women's basketball as a whole. Calvin. Coach, talk about your expectations and maybe a, a couple of players that you're looking to kind of step into a lead role 
that uh you know if we're going to be successful successful this year um who who do, who do we look out for and, and and um kind of just what are you trying to see in the in the uh non-conference side of your schedule right now leading up to conference schedule what are you trying to accomplish well the ideal is to peak once we get to conference because that's where everything happens really so um we're picked um second to last in the conference i was right now so we got nowhere to go but up. um the goal is not to win every game of course i mean how many teams do you know that's gone undefeated the goal is to pee and get better every time we touch touch the floor the goal is to not leave anything um in your body leave everything on the court um just to get used to playing at a pace and a tempo that's going to make us successful down the road um also the goal is overall to finish in the top eight so we can go to postseason and go to conference tournament. So if we can't finish in the top eight, that this uh, limits it, it actually ends our chances of even having an opportunity to go to NCAA tournament. But we're not looking that – that's big picture. First thing first, finish in the top eight so we can even have an opportunity to compete because everybody knows come tournament time, it's all about who's playing the best. You just got to string a few good games together – and if you're the best team at that time, you can find yourself in an NCAA tournament just like that. So that's what we're looking for. So the non-conference is definitely an opportunity for us to compete against other people, um, implement using a scouting report. Because, again, we have so many new people <laughs> that have never um, had to implement a scouting report who hasn't traveled on the road. One of the funniest things is um, Mallory Brooks, she is – a returner. So she was a freshman last year. She's a freshman on court because of COVID or what have you. So um, we went for a scrimmage and we're like, the bus is leaving, whatever. She came outside. She said, oh, I was looking for the big cheese coach. Oh, we travel like this because it was a charter bus. So she had never traveled with a collegiate team. So she was just shocked that it was, she thought we were about to ride on school bus. <laughs> so I was like, yes, yeah, sis, like <laughs> we're not taking, we don't have a school bus. But um, this little things like that are fun that they're going to experience for the first time. So um, I, mentioned, I mentioned, uh Mallory. She is such a hard worker, um, goes hard every possession in practice. Um, a, a sophomore in the classroom. Court. Um, we've got Tia Bradshaw. She's a grad transfer from, um, from UTEP. And she's perfect because she's a point guard. She's poised. She has experience. And she's going to be able to help uh, Jamarian Blair, who's from Tennessee. She's a true freshman. And she's going to be very talented. Uh, she can help this team a lot. But I was so happy that we're able to get Tia to, so that all that pressure wouldn't be on a true freshman because she's very talented. And it's, it's a hard transition going from high school to college. It doesn't matter what position. So, But especially at a point guard when you're looking for that person to lead and be your general on the court. Um, we also have uh, Dylan from Dylan Horton. She's transferred from Virginia. Um, Anijah Harris from uh, Wright State. And I mean, just about, I I wouldn't be shocked if any, like any of my players, I feel like are going to be able to contribute and help us build this program and get some wins this season. So, I mean, we have a core group that's working really hard um, and we just have to build up everyone around them. Kofi, call us this out. Hey, so <clears throat> I know that there have been some mention in regards to 
us re going back into Gaither Gym uh, for a couple of games this year. Have you all had an opportunity to select what those games are going to be? No, we haven't yet. We have talked about it, though. I know when I first got the job, um, I got the opportunity to talk to Natalie White, and I asked her what made FAMU so special. I mean, she's the best player to come through um, our history. She's VP at with LA Sparks. So that was somebody I really wanted to talk to to try to figure out, like, how we can get it back to a, a winning program. Because when she was here, I mean, she led the country in steals, and they won championships, and they're doing really well. And she just talked about the atmosphere in Gaither and how it's like you can't beat it. And um, when we're talking um, with administration, with A.D. Gaucher, it was just funny because we said, like, how times have changed. When Natalie was playing, we didn't have cell phones. Like, if you wanted to see somebody, you had to go to Gaither. And you had to go to the basketball game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, now we can just – the students can just stay in their dorm room and – stream it on Facebook because we'll be streaming on Facebook this year or not just not go. So, and then we have a beautiful facility in the Lawson center right now, but being in Gaither, like I can only imagine having everybody just on top of you and the atmosphere and being able to hear everything and let the band be in, in Lawson too. Like I cannot imagine how hard it would for the opponent it would be to play. So I would love to experience that. Um, I would love our girls to experience that as well. Um, so it's in the works. Um, I don't know what look like or, or who our opponent would be. I, I suggested Bethune just to make it really hard, but they're like, nah, we're going to pack out lost Bethune. We're not, we're not going to make it. We're going to bring everybody in for that one. So, um, we'll see who we decide to go with. Cool. Thank you so much coach for joining us. You're the bomb. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me anytime. I really enjoyed my time with you guys today. Excellent. Yeah, Thank definitely. Uh, let the people know. Let the people know how they can uh, reach out to you and and follow you on social media, so on and so forth. Okay, so I am on Instagram. Is like my favorite. I am s pillow three two two. Um, I think. Or am I famu coach? Yeah, that's what my that's what I am. On Instagram. And I am famu coach pillow. And then of course, this on on Facebook, this Shalon pillow. So. That's the best way. Insta is my favorite, but I check everything else on time. But if you want a quick response, Insta is the way to go. All right. And uh, when, whenever you're ready to do that uh, coaches show, you know, we got the name. I, I told you last year we got the name for the coaches show already laid out and ready. I'm not going to give it because there's other people watching. I don't want them to steal the How name. How many people have song lay your head on my pillow to you? Man, and you know, um, I believe lay my lay your head on my pillow. Of course, Tony, 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 and then there is a song called Pillow Talk by Sylvia. I can't remember her last name, but my grandmother's name was Sylvia Pillow, so that's why I always remember that that one too. And I have to remind people I'm not soft. It's because I'm a pillow. Don't try me now. I'm not. I'm not soft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coach. We love you. Uh, hey, uh, we're going to be following along. Hopefully we get a chance to talk to you more during the course of the year. Uh, but if we don't get a chance to talk to you prior to the first game, have a great first game. Enjoy the moment. Soak it up. And then let's go get some W's, Coach. Have a good time in the process, all right? Plan, guys. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Yes, all indeed. Right. All right. Thanks, we'll be back.
You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. And Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? The Kuwait. Okay, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi, you want to give a shout out and thanks again to Coach Karen Brown uh, and Coach Shalon Pillow for joining us in the last segment. Want to open it up right now while we have some time before we get into our next guest to take some calls from Rattler Nation. We want to hear from you. Let us know how you felt about the homecoming experience or maybe you have some thoughts about Southern upcoming. Uh, so phone number, write it down, 678-459-4236. Again, 678 459 Four, two, three, six. Um, Kofi, while we're waiting on some calls, tell us about the 48 hours, 72 hours from the band kind of marching 100 being on the fence about going, almost not going, to going. Tell us how that process all took place because you had a big hand in that. Well, <clears throat> Um, there's a lot that goes in. Let me. Sorry, cough, right, Kelly? He's like, well, yeah. Um, let me let me first say that. <clears throat> excuse me. It was in the works for the band to go from the very beginning, um, and they wanted to be there, especially the students having marched in the band. I can tell you, um, it's in our DNA to face Southern University. It's one of our biggest challenges. They have a lot of the same, much of the same tradition that we do. They don't have as much, but they still have a lot of tradition. They have a lot, they have global recognition. And so it, it means a lot to um, those that march in the March of 100 to be there. Um, that being said, it costs a lot of money to move the band. 
And so when it comes to that, athletics has a number that they're accustomed to that will make it comfortable for them to be able to move the bag. What people don't realize is that we had an entire year last year where we did not get any revenue because there was no athletic programs coming in. And it's, mind you, even with the revenue, it is always hard to move the band. It is an expense to take the band um, from one place to the next place. Um, so I would say the negotiation process is what kind of put everything on pause. The number of nights that the band was supposed to stay uh, was really up for grabs. And, you know, quite frankly, our leadership was just kind of like, that's not something that we can do at this time. But I'm grateful that, um, you know, the alumni got involved. Um, we opened the lines of communication and we put a demand for the people to find a way to make this work. And uh, credit to Courtney Gaucher, credit to uh, our national alumni president, Greg Clark, who worked the lines, kept the lines of communication going so that we could get the band because I could not even imagine uh, Ohio State and Michigan without the bands. So FAMU and Southern is pretty much like the same way. It's the same thing. It is ludicrous to even think that we would be in a position where the band would not go. But I'm grateful that we were able to work it out. I agree. Somebody Coach. We got a caller on the line right now. Caller. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Dwayne Jacksonville. <laughs> All right, Dwayne. Hello? How, how you oh, doing? Okay, what's cool. on your mind? Good, good. Yeah, so this trip to Southern, right, I think we can dominate them, but I think we could dominate any of the teams that we played this year. You know, we could have even done a better job against South Florida. But the quarterback play worries me. You know, I think coach sometimes get between, okay, he's inexperienced, and then he acts like he's a, uh, McKay's a very experienced quarterback. If we would give him what he could do, and sometimes it doesn't seem like we're doing that. But I just think we, we could do, the defense, I'm not – where I am kind of worried about uh, Savion being out for the first half if they're going to keep him out because he was kicked out no. of the game, which I didn't even understand how he got kicked out. He, yeah, he is – he is he should be now unless – now I, I want to – it's funny you brought that up because I have not got I've, – I've made two different inquiries to the SWAC office regarding that incident during the game and there has been no official word yet. And I was told I would get word when there has been something. So maybe that'll come tomorrow, Thursday, but as of Wednesday evening, nothing has come out yet. So we all assume that Savion would get or miss the first half, but we don't know. And, and for the sweat to, for the sweat to really be what they could be, they don't have to fix this officiating stuff. This, I mean, it's, you know, you have bad officiating in the NFL, but this stuff is crazy. You know, for them to have that big blow up and, you know, just get like a one personal foul, that, to me, that was, and just other stuff that's happened throughout the years. So, and, and I am kind of concerned about that 
this weekend. What's your prediction for the game, Dwayne? 30 to 3. All right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks enjoy, for calling. Enjoy, enjoy the show, guys. Appreciate thanks, you. Sweet. Appreciate you. All right. Talk All right. to you later. KR, are you going? No, man. You're going to have to hold it down for me. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. All right. Coffee, you'll be there. Yes, sir. All right. Y'all All have right. a good appreciate show, man. Enjoy it. Y'all doing a great job. Hey, Thank appreciate you. you. Appreciate you. Hey, let's uh let's bring on I think I think our next guest is is scheduled. Uh is he already available, I believe, if I go if I uh if I uh, heard my producer correct. There he is, the MIAC and FAMU Athletics Hall of Famer himself, former sports information director, Alvin Hollins. Alvin, how you doing, brother? I'm fine. How you guys doing? Man, you look looking good there. Good to see you, bro. Was, was, was that Dwayne Sweet? Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I remember him for many years uh, when I was working in the office. You know, we had long conversations, you know, about schedules and stats and games and stuff like that. And he said, Dwayne from Jacksonville, that's the first thing that came to mind. I said, hmm, I wonder if that's Dwayne Sweet. Probably should have spoken up. But, yeah, but. You've got a lot of loyal Rattlers all over. It's going to be – got a lot of Rattlers in Baton Rouge. You'd be surprised. Yeah. So, uh, well, probably wouldn't be. But still, it's going to be an interesting game this week, I think. Uh, you know, I think with, with FAMU, you know, looking forward to the possibility, you know, of playoffs. And, of course, you still have to keep, you know, the East – the Eastern Division isn't settled yet either because Jackson has three games to play. They've got to play all corner at the end of the year, end of the regular season anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think they go to Southern next week, I believe. So, yes. you know, this thing is far from settled. It's far from settled. And, uh, you know, they it, it took them a while to subdue Mississippi Valley. And I think it was last week. And I said, well, you know, I said, wow, you know, people were – I was kind of nervous and said, well, gee, we were out there struggling with Valley after we were up 17 points. And then, well, I said, well, Dion's not there, so maybe they lost a little bit of that fire. But, and I mean, I mean Jackson. But, you know, we've got some irons in the fire, either the Eastern, either, either Eastern Division in the Celebration Bowl, SWAC Championship, or possible at large. But, Thing, the only thing that we can control is to win these last three games. We win those last Al- three, and we'll go from there. Well, let me ask you this, Alvin: From uh, what, where? How do you rank, or where do you put this defensive team? And, and I'm not going to say the whole team. Uh, where where do you put this defensive team? Stack it up against some of the other teams that you've seen in FAMU history. Of, of of the more recent era. Well, I think this defense, especially the way they started, the way they came out of the gate, you know, I was seeing numbers that were compared, you know, to some of those units in the seventies, the seventy-seven, the seventy-eight, especially that seventy-eight and even seventy-nine. I remember that that seventy-nine team that upset Miami. Those guys were seniors, 
who had played in the 78 championship year and, and the undefeated 77 uh, season as well. So I think they compare pretty favorably to them. You know, they were nationally ranked in a lot of categories. I mean, that 78 defense was number one in the nation in rushing defense, scoring defense, and uh, in total defense. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about what they did in 78, you know, the fact that they were able to shut down uh, a number of teams. I mean, they held Grambling to seven points in the, in, the, in the Orange Blossom Classic. You know, we gave up 17 in the first half to Bethune, and we ended up winning that game 27-17. So that defense, and of course, I got a chance to see it when I was at Southern in 78, but that defense – you know, was was pretty was really good. Now, something obviously we've had some defenses. You go back to the fifties and the sixties that were really good. I mean, we had a couple of years where, you know, we didn't give up more than I don't. I think I think we look at sixty one. The sixty one team gave up only what they gave up. I think two scores to like one team, and of course. The all-time great would be that 38 team, which gave up seven points the entire year. They were eight and zero. So we've had some great defenses, you know, all down through the years. And I think some of the defenses we've had, you know, even more recently. But this is one of the best that I've seen, you know, because the shutouts and the keeping people off. You know, just I, I, I like I, I like this defense as good as. It's, it's as good as any that I've seen, you know, since I've been around anyway. Mm-hmm. Calvin. So, Alvin, you know, uh, there's a lot of history with Southern and um, and FAMU, a lot of classic games. Um, I have not missed going to Baton Rouge the last four or five times we we went there, so, which is why it's really going to hurt me to miss this one. But uh, just talk about, and, and of course, you know, you've been around us for 40 years. You you, you went to Southern Lab and, and you know, from the area. Just talk about your memories and, and the rivalry of, of, of FAMU and, and, and Southern and, and, you know, maybe one or two of the classic uh, matchups or memories you, you, you have. Well, when it comes to FAMU and Southern, I think these uh, – there was a guy who was uh, our business manager years ago, or uh, uh, Mr. Niles, or Nathaniel Niles, and uh, I think I think he he retired in the late '80s, early '90s. But anyway, he would always talk about how FAMU was so dominant. You know that there were certain teams that the fans really were more interested in seeing us play. Southern, whoever we played in the Classic, Tennessee State, obviously, because we played them every year, too. There were certain teams that you knew were going to be strong and were going to really challenge you. So, you know, you really could measure yourself. And Southern is one of those teams, you know, because if you look at our total package as far as athletics, you know, you're looking at, you know, we, we you know, whether you talk about track, basketball, football, baseball, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, we're so comparable 
in many ways. I mean, football, I think we won, what, 12, 13 national and they won 10. You know, we both had these great runs, you know, years where we would just dominate. And we had outstanding coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, you know, Hall of Fame players, either pro football or college football. So you're talking about almost two peas in a pod. So that's why if you look at the scores of the games over the years, even if they were high scoring like in the 40s and the 50s, you know, they were neck and neck because, you know, you're talking about the, the level of intensity and you, know, you throw the bands in and that just makes it even more special. So I think these are two programs that actually, if you go back and look at some of the history, you know, they've shared, you know, a lot of personnel. Coaches have gone back and forth. And uh, we had a vice president here at FAMU who's now an executive vice president at Southern, uh, Brian Lucas. So, uh, of course, I came from Southern in 1979. And there were a number of other people, matter of fact, an athletic director at Southern, uh, Dean Jones. He was Ulysses Dean Jones. He was the dean of men here at FAMU in the 40s. He coached a basketball team. Then he ended up going to Southern. So, and I think we had a track coach who coached Bob Hayes uh, that went on to work at Southern for a number of years as a track coach. So, it, we have... HBCU have a lot of that cross option anyway because back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, these are the only places we could get jobs, really. So, but that, you know, made the, the relationship special. And, and our coaches, uh, especially Gaither, Dick Gaither, and Ace Mumford, they were very good friends. I mean, you know, you know they got after each other during the games, but you know they were, you know they were very good, in a way of colleagues. So um, it's uh, very interesting. You know this series when, when it ended in 2001, after almost 40, maybe 50 years, it seemed like. You know there was a lot of, uh, I guess you could say that was, you know there wasn't you know a lot of anger amongst fans because they looked forward to these games on both sides, you know, because this was, you know, it was a non-conference game, but it just, it became a rivalry all its own. It was almost like, hey, you know, you think about the years that we played uh, with Billy Joe, and I think specifically since we're talking about at large, I think about those years, 97, 98, 99, you know, when, we, you know, we weren't in the mix for the conference. So we needed to do well, you know, to, to get an at-large bid. Of course, back in those days, more HBCUs were ranked. Southern was always like number one in the black college, especially in the, the late 90s uh, under Pete Richardson. You know, they were always ranked number one, number two in the black college. I remember the in 97. And just like uh, Dwayne Sweet picked the 33 to 30, 33 to three, or 30 to three, uh, they came in. They were number one in the country. Had the top rusher and all that kind of stuff. And I think we had almost 30,000 people 
in there. You couldn't even see the aisles from the press box. That's people were sitting everywhere, and we basically went on a, I think like a, like a twenty to nothing run to come out of the locker room. Ended up beating them thirty-three to three, and of course, two years later, everybody remembers that beatdown we put on Southern. Was it sixty-five to nineteen where we had to had that great hit on the kickoff return? The hit round the world, huh? The hit. The hit heard round the world. Yep, and after that, that was fourteen zip. You get the ball back and. I think uh, Jawan Sider goes with like like about 50 yards for a touchdown, and at that point, you knew it, it was, you knew it was over. I mean, and it was 65 to 19. I think was the final score, you know. So, but the, but the game, there was so much build up before that game because this is when the internet had just really <laughs> taken, you know, and uh, someone. Someone mentioned to Pete Richardson that there were some FAMU fans saying that the cheerleaders were going to be playing in the third quarter, that somebody was going to get embarrassed. So, you know, Pete <laughs> mentioned, it, mentioned, it at, mentioned it at his press conference. And could the guilty party be on the line? I don't know. But either way, either way, he mentioned that. And Billy Joe said later, he said, Every, the kids were looking forward to the A&T game the following week because that was going to be – essentially the conference championship. But he said when he mentioned that to them in their pregame meeting, that cheerleaders, and you know Billy Joe has had that, he had that, um, he had that uh, great ability to over-dramatize things. He said the cheerleaders are going to be playing on us in the third quarter. So he said all you could see, he said the guys, weren't even really, it's almost like they were dead men when he walked in. By the time he got through, he said their heads were so high, he said, man, I don't know if we can get them out of the ceiling and get them onto the field. So <laughs> he jumped all over Southern, and it wasn't even close. Then we lose the A&T, then we go to the playoffs, and we up 19 points on Appalachian State at halftime, and the media Reporters are coming over to me and the late Ken Riley saying, who are you guys? Didn't y'all just lose to A&T? Well, you got to realize we played our arch rival the week before. So we were actually, we were, we were actually coming down, you know, it was kind of a letdown and that's what happened at A&T. But hey, we're up 19 points on your boys, so we must not be too bad. And uh, we ended up going to the finals that year, you know, so, so but that game has always kind of it's kind of set the tone for HBCU. Whoever comes out of that usually ends up, you know, earning a lot of brownie points toward a possible black college championship. You know, and Pete Richardson had that stretch in the nineties, early two thousands, where I think he won three or four championships. And I firmly believe I firmly believe he, if he had a chance to take some of his teams to the playoffs like we did, it would have been interesting because they had some great talent on those teams. You know, I still think about that 95 season when we played them in Atlanta, played them twice. We played them in the regular season. And I said that was the game 
where the um, Gulf oh. Coast offense was really born. Because we were struggling. We fallen behind, I think, by two scores. And uh, we moved, we, swip, we swapped Damian Slaughter for Mario Allen. Mario before Allen, yeah. Yeah, before we knew it, you know, it was bombs away, you know. And by and at halftime, and we went from being down uh, like seventeen. Was it fourteen, seventeen to three? We went to a. It was a, it was a thirty. It was thirty five, thirty five at the half. I mean, that's just yeah. how explosive the game got. So I said, well, it's going to be bad. Somebody's got to lose this game, and we ended up losing it fifty two thirty eight. We were in the red zone. And I think third down, they, you know, they got a pick six to win the game. Not the pick six in the end zone. Them. Yeah, picks. Yeah, they picked. No, they picked six and ran it back the other way for the final. It was forty-five. It was forty-five thirty-eight at that point. So we were driving to possibly tie the game inside of the last two minutes. And if you you know you go through the notes that I sent over. A lot of, if you look at those games, that show you how intense this series is. Things are almost all, have almost always been decided in the fourth quarter, maybe inside of the last two or three minutes. It's rare where one team or another, like the Southern game in 97, where we just, one of us blew the other out. Those games were rare. And they've happened. Because I know the Southern beat family. In the, in the 60s, and that was where the the that was where the great quote from Jake Gaither, "Somebody's got to pay," and somebody did the next week. You know, in you know, so we took that took it out on, on that. So, but that those types of, I mean, that's the flavor of this rivalry. I mean, we look forward to it as a you know a big test of who we are because. Of course, later in the year, you know, Southern's going to be playing Grambling in the Bayou. We're going to be playing Bethune in the Florida Classic. But if you really, but from the standpoint of a successful season, you know, those are one of the games, those are one of the red letter dates that you circle when your schedule comes out. Right. Kofi, uh, what do you got? We got about five minutes left in this segment. Kofi, what do you got? Well, man, uh, obviously you went to Southern. So, what was it like in the FAMU Southern rivalry for you as a Southern Knight, as a student? Um, was it different in regards to the different games as a Southern Knight? What What does Jaguar Nation? What games do Jaguar Nation look to uh, really be a part of? Well, Jaguar Nation really looked forward to. The Southern game, I, I, I mean, the, uh, I mean the FAMU game. I think as much as anything else, obviously, in the swag, you know, you had all cultures right up the road from Baton Rouge, and of course, Grambling uh, was the arch rivalry. That was the game at the end of the year, but uh, FAMU was special. You know, you had the rivalry with the bands, and like I said, we were we played. Every, you know, for a non-conference series, and that's, that's the thing to emphasize, a non-conference series to play someone every year from the like, mid-40s all the way to till 2001. You know, so 
that became, uh, you know, you talk about the, the Samuel Southern um, feelings. Uh, when, and it's kind of funny now, when my mom, when my mom passed, when we were at the funeral, you know, a couple of people knew I was at Southern. They said, hey, man, I said, hey, I'm sorry about your mom. When are we going to start playing again? And I'm looking at these guys like, man, my mom's sitting there lying in state. You can't ask me about a football game. But then I said, well, I think we were. Then I said, well, I think we were working on it. We, and we were at the time. In fact, I think we started playing, started back playing in the year. But it's amazing how that game really resonates in that in, in that uh, Jaguar nation. Because it's, you know, like I said, it's one of those games that you look to to really – get a feel for how good your team is in a particular year because you know how for the years they've been even if both teams come in with bad records it's still the intensity it's still the you know you still want to get the best of them and and you always have the bands as well so it's just must see no matter no matter what the records are Awesome. Well, Thank you so much. Um, this uh, this game this uh, Saturday, it's a 7 p.m. kickoff uh, in the Bayou, uh, Baton Rouge. Uh, care to make any predictions on this one, Alvin? How do you see this one uh, shaping up? I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be very intense. I think, fam. I don't know if I want to pick a score. Because I I kind of had I kind of uh, echo the feelings of of Wayne. I'm concerned about you know the offense, especially the quarterback play. But you know I thought about it, you know after watching the Mississippi Valley game, and I said you realize these guys have been off an entire year, and when you saw him play in 2019, you know he was. Was pretty good. He can come off and relieve Ryan Stanley. So I said, man, this guy might be pretty good. Of course, we, you know, we had a bunch of quarterbacks on on the roster anyway, but he kind of stood out. So, but I think that year off really hurt the development of some of these guys, and especially quarterback. So, you know, maybe he's just now getting, you know, getting into it, into the routine. So we'll see. But I mean, he's made some big plays. Plenty of talent. I mean, you got the bishop and some of those other guys. I see they got Xavier Smith back, and of course that's a name I don't know because I haven't been around them for two years. But you know, I think this game is going. I think this is going to be another one of the classic. You know, nail biters on go down to the wire, just like the last time we played in '19, where Xavier catches a touchdown with four or five minutes left. I think it's going to be that type of uh, one score game like like 21 i don't i think it's going to be in that range now if it gets out of hand like it has out in baton rouge where we get into the 40s and the 50s you know that's it's still probably going to be a score game unless a whole bunch of turnovers because that's kind of the tradition you know you know you think about those games in the uh with, with bonner in 98 i'm sorry uh yeah yeah bonner in 98 and uh, then we go back and, and, and uh, to, I think it's Quinn Gray in 2000. You know, 
those were, those were the 50, 40, 50, 48, 50, 49, and then Joe Taylor took them out in 2008, 52-49, and if we don't strip a wide receiver in the end zone, you know, with two or three minutes left, we lose, fam, you loses that game like 50 to 50, I think, was, I think 52-49 was the final, so it would have been 56-52. So I think it's going to be that type of uh, rock'em, sock'em, down to the wire game. I would, if I had, if I had, if I had my head, I'd, I'd say something like 30 to 20, fam, you. Hmm. 30 to 20, 30 to 20. I, I know, uh, 27. I know we, you said 30, 27. Yeah. Something like, yeah, like that. Yeah. It, it's going right. to be one of those back and forth games. Just like, yeah, just like, uh, if we, you think about Valley, the Valley game, the A&M game, you know, we went, we started going back and forth after we, you know, had your, had your foot on their neck. And see, with our defense, our defense is going to keep you. Uh, it's going to it's going to keep you in check. And the question is, do we do enough on offense to help them out? Because it's hard, you know, it's hard sustaining that energy for sixty minutes as far as the defense is concerned. So that's why we had a lot of wild because we would score so fast, the defense would barely have a chance to go get a couple cover. You know, Gatorade, and they were right back out there. So I think both defenses were burned up by the end of the game because nobody really got a chance to rest and recoup. You know, because they were, you know, because it was a trap. That's I think that's think that's what we're going to have that kind of game. The Southern, you know, they're I don't know if they're fighting for their coach's life or whatever, but and I know in our case, we want to close out a season. I think that was one of the first mission statements that Willis Simmons had when he came in, you know, because we had so many issues. We lost so many games the last two years, didn't close out games in the quarter. And that was one of the things he said, we have to learn to finish. And I think yep. finishing and finishing this year means winning these last three, including, you know, skinning those cats and soon. That's another catch we're going to have to deal with in a couple of weeks. So, but yeah. this first Southern University. Well said. Alvin, we always appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, coming in, dropping a little history uh, history lesson and a little bit of knowledge on this great uh, rivalry and this great series. Um, so as always, man, thank you for your time. Uh, we're going to come back after this break, and we'll let you know our predictions and our thoughts of this Southern contest coming up after the break. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back right after these words. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. 
Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone, Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. And um, man, uh, again, another big, uh, another big weekend ahead of us. Uh, I, this is the second full weekend of SWAC games, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a full SWAC schedule. Uh, all 12 teams are in action. Six SWAC games are taking place. Of course, our game with Southern is a 7 p.m. kickoff. Scheduled for ESPN Plus. Uh, well, that no, that's seven Eastern, so that's six o'clock Central. So I guess if you were you were going to the game, it'd be six o'clock Central time. All right, Kelvin, let's break it down. What's this game going to look like on Saturday? You can pencil pencil us in for at least ten penalties and a hundred yards worth of penalties. Not because we committed it. But because we're playing in Baton Rouge, it's just going to happen. It's going to be that way. It's part of the the, the, the culture of playing at Southern. Uh, we'll probably get a touchdown call back. I mean, that's just the way it is. So so that that's my concern. I'm less concerned about uh, the environment and and Southern offense. And I'll, I don't know what concerns me is uh, – uh, the the, the officiating keeping them in the game. And unlike what I said last week, I, we haven't played the same on the road like we played at home as a team. However, our defense travels. We had uh, badly dead to the, to, 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 to the water, um, 17-0, with about five minutes left in the um, third quarter. And then we had those turnovers that got them in the game. And then everybody realized, well, Valley is pretty good because they had uh, Jackson State down 13-6 in the third quarter. Yep. So in terms of this game, what I expect, I, I expect our defense to play well and our special teams to play well. Uh, I've seen improvement with our um, quarterback play. I'm not concerned there. I, I know what I'm going to get with him, right? I know I'm going to get – he throw the ball 34 times, 35 times, I'm going to get 20 completions. That's what it's going to be. I'm going to get 200, 250 yards, and um, I'm going to get a couple of touchdowns, right? So as long as he ain't turn the ball over, that's our formula. I'm cool with that. Um, I anticipate uh, – the other thing I will point out is that, unlike some of the other defense we played, Southern is not very strong defensively. They give up a lot of points. Um, and – just like when people, when the other sweat teams that played Jackson State, just like what you saw, what Purdue did to Southern for their homecoming. If you play clean against Southern with our talent level, we're going to create separation, and uh, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking for. So I'm going to go with a score somewhere around 35-10. Okay, 35-10. What do you got, Kofi? I agree with that statement. I agree with everything my brother said. Uh, what I will say is, you know, it just boils down to us playing, as Billy Joe put it, pure, unadulterated Rattler football, which for this season means running the ball, 
playing good defense, playing solid special teams, and not turning the ball over. We do that, and the game will not be close. Um, we do that, and the game will not be close. I, w- I would I would echo um, the score, 35-14, 35-10, somewhere around that area. Um, and I think that if we, we play, we manage to get out even to a stronger start, this could be the breakout game that people have not seen. But it is a rivalry game, and it is Baton Rouge, and it is, uh, you know, we do have referees that have their own set of eyes. So we want to make sure that we're mentally tough when we go out there to be able to um, tune other stuff out and focus. And uh, that's what it's all about because we need need to create that separation. I would say that even um, looking at the polls and, you know, just the different things, Perception is everything, and people don't perceive that Mississippi Valley is a good team. Um, I know that they're a decent team, that they're a good team, uh, an up-and-coming team. Um, you know, they beat UAPB, I think, the other year, and I think they beat, uh, they almost beat Tennessee State. So, you know, they've been building for some time, and I think, but overall the perception of Valley is they're not good. So if the game is close, that means your team is not good, which means that we've got to step it up. But people respect the Southern University brand. So if we get in there and we do what we're supposed to do, it's going to elevate the program and elevate the eyes and the perception of who we are. Um, this is the only matchup on the SWAC, and I was I was just browsing through this. The only matchup in the SWAC between two programs with a 500 or better record even winning records in conference. I mean, we're six and two, four and one. They are Southern is four and four, three and two. It's the only matchup of its kind. Uh, Great point you brought up, Calvin, uh, Kelvin, about points allowed. They've allowed 32.5 on the season while only scoring 28.75. And then when you, as you said, when you go and look at the points that they've given up, they've given up 35 to Alcorn, 48 to Prairie View. They gave up 31, uh, 35 to Texas Southern, gave up 25 to Mississippi Valley, 31 to McNeese State, even gave up 24 to Miles. I mean, UAPB was the only one who, who couldn't score points on them, but they, they that's a whole other story. They got all kinds of issues going on over there. So, yeah, I, I agree even though we're averaging exactly 30 points since the Albany, Alabama State game, exactly 30. Give him my soul. Give him my soul. <laughs> I do see us scoring in the mid-30s. I, I like your 35. I even, I'll even go one further and say 38. Um, I, I think they'll sneak in a couple touchdowns. So maybe like a 38 to 14 ball game. But the scary part is I feel like the same way I said that going into the Alabama A&M game and then you had shenanigans that popped off and all of a sudden we're playing catch up. That's the only thing that worries me um, and that we have, as you said, this is a good litmus test for us because the last two road games should have been bigger victories, but we had to come from behind to win by four. And then we had to we had to walk out of there, you know, holding on to ourselves with a three point win in Valley. So, who is this team? 
If this is a team that is truly worthy of going to the playoffs, they need to beat Southern and beat them handily. They need to they need to they need to show the dominance that we all keep talking about, that Rattler Nation keeps talking about. So we all need to see this big point spread margin that we're talking about. It needs to come home. Um, I, I think we, yeah. So I, I, that's all I got. I mean, I, I think it's there. Uh, any, any final thoughts? Anything additionally you want to add before we break out and close up? Just Rattler Nation, you know, those that are traveling to Baton Rouge, be mindful, be safe. Uh, it is a high crime area, um, and they love their Jaguars. So if you have good car insurance, don't be surprised. Of course, if we win, if your tires are slashed. Not trying to alarm anybody, but it is what it is. Um, so <laughs> be mindful of where you are. Be a Rattler. Be safe. Let's go and bring this W home. Let's, uh, let's do what we got to do, man, so we can go on and finish out the year strong. Yeah, and look out for other Rattlers while you're out there, too. Um, Kelvin, any final words? Yeah, I, but I wait till this game is over, but uh, it, I've been looking at some of the other conferences and um, what they're doing. Uh, the OVC, Tennessee State got a big game this week where if they win, they're, they're in first place in OVC, right? They play Tennessee Martin, who's, the, who's in first place now. I, I watch what's going on in Southland and and uh, and also the Southern Conference. And folks talk about our schedule and our records. I will tell you, those conferences and those teams ain't much better. Uh, yeah. From top to bottom, they are very weak, uh, particularly uh, the OVC this year. Uh, Tennessee Tennessee is in second. They're four and four overall. And uh, ten, but Tennessee Martins, I think the only team that has a winning record in the Southland is kind of the same way. They all over the place, uh, you know. So if we take care of business, we'll be in. If we win out, we'll be in the playoffs, and we will have a game that we can travel to and we can win. I leave it there. Yeah. This this is a this is a I can't I, I and I didn't get a chance to mention this. Two final thoughts here. One, when you go and look at rankings, because now the conversation is what it is, and they, and we are talking about seeding and rankings. Um, uh, two places I always go look: Massey Ratings and then uh, uh, ComputerRatings.com. Uh, and ComputerRatings.com, we're ranked thirty-first, where Jackson State is ranked sixteenth. Massey is what worries me. Well respected uh, as well. Jackson State ranked. 59th, FAMU, or excuse me, Prairie View ranked 64th, FAMU ranks, rated 69th. Now, these are computer analytic sites. So there's not much regard there for the SWAC, and those are the three best teams in the SWAC. So we got a long road to climb. We need to win out. We need successful big wins. And hopefully we got to drive this conversation because otherwise we, we may get screwed uh, out of an at-large based on ratings by the computers. I, I just want to say that. So we, we need to be aware of that. And then my final thought is uh, we went the whole show, and, and, guys, we forgot to mention our Lady Rattler volleyball program, which went out to Grambling over the weekend, won three games. Uh, they beat Grambling 3-0. They had to they, – Texas Southern was 3-2. And then second – battle for second place – against UAPB 
on Sunday morning, they swept UAPB. So, uh, you know, the Lady Rattlers are now 19-6 and six on the year, 11-2, and two, firmly in second place, I think. Uh, we've got a home game against Bethune-Cookman Friday night, 6 p.m. in the Lawson Center. That should be a sweep. If it's not a sweep, be worried. Now, that's the last home game. So make sure folks get out and see that game. Hopefully we can get that game streamed on Facebook. Hint, hint, anybody out there might be listening. If not, send out send out a word. Send a message to the athletic department. Let them know you want this game streamed on Facebook so that we can uh, watch the Lady Rattlers Friday night against Bethune-Cookman. And then uh, two weeks from, or at least a week from now, is the rematch against Alabama State. So, you know, that'll be a big game. Alabama State and Jackson State have yet to play in volleyball either. So just want to put that out there. So that's going to do it for us. Um, We thank you for watching. Make sure to hit the like button. Make sure to subscribe wherever you are watching us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on your Google or Apple Play Store, my JBN, my BCSN. And go send us an email. Uh, let us know what you thought of the show. Uh, shout out to, real quick, shout out to uh, Shirley Baker. Shout out to Alfred Palmore for sending us some emails. And uh, you too could uh, be doing that as well. Let us know your thoughts on the show. All right, that's going to do it. We're officially out of here now. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for watching. That's going to do it for tonight. Hey, let's go beat up on some uh, Jaguars. Let's beat up on those cats this weekend. All right, Rattlers, strike, strike, and strike again this weekend, baby. Let's go.